0: Hello and welcome back to the Supersport Schools podcast. I'm Alex White. And if you haven't listened or watched last week's episode, I recommend you go back and do so because it was an interesting one with Niels Mumberg, the tertiary and youth manager for Cricket South Africa. We spoke all about schools and cricket and how he's working on making sure that for the future, we'll have sustainable cricket in schools and it's going to grow to help improve cricket across the country. Now this week, we're going to have a slightly different tack, still with Niels Mumberg from Cricket South Africa. But we're going to have a look at life after school and what that space looks like, whether it's university or going into professional or club cricket. And most importantly, we'll look at some of the positives that are emerging in South Africa and how the cricket space is going to survive and advance. But before we get into the rest of the show, it's time for the weekend school sport highlights. We're looking specifically at cricket this week. And we start with Hilton College, who made 350 for 5 in 50 overs against Durban High School. Hilton had two Centurions as well, Charles Swartz and Ross Boast. Boast, the captain, slammed his 100 off just 81 balls, and Swartz scored 107. The total proved too much for DHS. A big upset saw Uffies all out for just 71 against Pretoria Boys, partly thanks to Caden Cromarty, who ended with figures of 4 for 30. Lastly. St. Andrews College and Kingswood College enjoyed a brilliant game of timed cricket. St. Andrews College were seven runs behind with one wicket remaining when time was called and a draw declared. The match rarely could have gone either way, and St. Andrews' William Beamish scored a whopping 139. Those are some of the highlights from the weekend school cricketing action. Now back to the show. This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars, powered by Spurs Steak Ranchers. One, two, three, go! How important do you think it is then to have tournaments like we're having now with the Kaimajola Week, where you bring the best of the best from around the country together to compete, to find the next generation, mm. to feed into the system? Talk a bit about what happens, I guess, after school, because lots of people think, oh, you must. They they want their kids or kids want to try and play first team et cetera, at school, but what actually happens after that?
1: Look to to start with the kids that get to these tournaments. I mean, as you know, they have aspirations. I believe you've got to have a dream, then you have a plan to get to the dream. Um, but to have that to aspire to play at the Kaimajola Week or to, at the Girls Under Nineteen Tournament, uh, it's very important. But there's a whole process of matches that you have to play then you go to trials which is more matches different stresses different pressures um, and, and then the chosen ones make it here um, so it, I think it's a well drawn path um, which was, works very well for us and it still works very well for us what happens afterwards is that funny enough I had a long chat to a, to a scout and agent rugby guy yeah. And we discussed, again, rugby, cricket. And there's a lot less opportunities in cricket. Um, number of contracts, size of contracts. In South Africa, we, we all go off our heads when a player pops up and plays for New Zealand. Kevin Conway or Kevin Peterson plays for England. And in the Peterson era, it used to bother me, but, but it doesn't bother me anymore. The world is a is a global village. If you if you have a British passport and that's your in, good luck to you. If you if your your career path, Devin Conway, didn't really work out here, you can play for New Zealand. I'm extremely proud he came through our programme. And I know Devin very well. He's a great kid. I'm really happy for him because here things just didn't go right for him. But there is less opportunities. But the actual pathway is you play here. Now you're a really good ones. Uh, your recent ones would be Devil Brevers, Liam Older was here again. They've now they've got contracts already with their provinces. Um, but there's very few that go straight school into I mean around the country from last year they might be four,
0: if that. I mean at the top level yeah. at the end of the day you're gonna have eleven people on the field. Exactly. And at this event alone the they're hundreds exactly so the cricket
1: pathway is so we have an academy and a cult system which is now our second tier you know there's been lots of changes and i don't think we can get into that but your colts and that's the path a lot of them get signed up in that and you probably have about a two-year window to either make it or not and if you don't they'll let you go you'll go back to club cricket and then back it's a lot more difficult but in the South African context, now I'm putting my university's hat on, it is a very viable and good option to go to a great, good cricket university because we have four or five universities in this country that has um, wonderful programs. And I won't, don't go further because I might offend some people at Provincials, but if you look at my son's advice, if you look at the program, the program here at Marty's, Tux, I don't think it's a better tertiary. Um, institution program in the world. Ducks, brilliant. Potts. very good. UWC has got a good program, and that is because of your USA tournaments. That's your university tournament and your varsity cricket, like varsity rugby cup, which is televised every year. There's a there's a tournament. It's televised. You come there and you shoot the lights out. That's a. So I would say, if I had to explain it, that's your. That is your pathway, pipeline, out of
0: school. And you speak about the universities, right? Uh, We know an example that I've heard before is that uh, in America, if you want to make it in sport, you have to go and take part in college sport. Mm. So in theory, you are working towards a degree as well. Yes, And in South Africa, like you mentioned, there are not many opportunities. And even if you do make it overseas, that might be playing for a club. It might not be playing internationally, representing another country. And after cricket, you have to do something. Yeah. And if you can't make it, maybe coaching or giving back to the game, having had some form of tertiary education as well in that program, how beneficial is that? Ach, look, it's, I like talking
1: examples. And I mean, there's a, yeah. guy, there's a guy playing for Holland and His Brandon Glover. From Joburg, since the boy, I managed the SN19 side that he was in. I was quite close to him at the time. I knew his parents as well. Now, Glover, five or six A's in my trick, he said, I want to play cricket. You're not going to study? Nah, he's not sure. He's insane, dude. Go, always had a Dutch passport, so he always had that in pre-Brexit. So there was a lot of opportunities for a guy with his background and where he came from. I said, you think there's more opportunities overseas? There might be. But if I can advise you, go to university, go through that system. And if South African cricket does not want you or there's not a space for you then, then you go. And he came here. He got a, I think he did a Bcom on yeah. honors here at Marty's. Played in three varsity cricket tournaments. Played for Borland. Now he's, 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 he's contracted to North Ends in England playing county cricket and he plays for Holland. But he's got an honors become degree or whatever he's got so exactly what he said I mean some kids can't study it is what it is but if you have that and you can study and you can use cricket to get a bursary a scholarship whilst you're still playing cricket going through the ranks that's I would say that's the way to go right now unless you're Deval Brevis or, or Quentin de Kock and you're from Pretoria go to Tux or come here to Martis or go to or go to UWC or whatever else because you'll get a degree and you'll play good cricket and there are top coaches there and they've got, all got very good programs. So so if you have a chance that to make it in cricket there's no better place or environment I think And university to go to. Yeah, I nearly said something about our provincial system but I won't compared to our provincial system is fine but I'm just saying I think I need to be careful what I'm saying is that our vasties our top vasties Coaching, structures, processes are as good as many of our univ- uh, uh, provincial sites.
0: And you get the education part of it as well. Well, exactly.
1: Yeah. Because if you, do, if you crunch the numbers, there's so few kids that actually make it. I mean, I always tell the story again. Where in Joburg, there's, at Montrose Primary School, there's a fantastic night series for under 13 boys. And my son was one of the better players there. And three years later, we sat and said, let's count. Where are all those, your mates that were superstars? And four of them played first-team cricket. The rest, we didn't know where they were. So, so the numbers that actually come through is so minute. So the risk to you as a person to put all your eggs in one basket is just too big.
0: Bringing you the sport you care about the most, this is the Super Supersport Schools Podcast. Spur back bacon is like having fillet for breakfast because back bacon has more meat and less fat and we grill that back bacon at 350 degrees then serve it with two large eggs, golden chips, grilled tomato, toast and jam and at only $49.90 for our unreal breakfast. Why not bring the whole family? Spur, people with a taste for life. T's and C's apply. Hmm. So now I want to pull a couple of the ideas together we've been talking about you spoke about the obviously now the opportunities how limited they are but then you also spoke about the how high the cost is for players that come from backgrounds where they don't have as much as those players who come from backgrounds where they do how difficult is it with the the cost associated with cricket with pressures from all sorts of spheres from media from politics to actually make tangible change and about transformation in a way that's beneficial in light of such few opportunities in professional sport not just cricket look it's 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 very difficult and, and again if you talk politics and you
1: talk where our country is um, government struggling to provide basic services housing electricity. so what is what chance have we got as a sports to, to to cover that gap, but you have to find ways. Um, and currently it's flawed, but our best cricketers come via your cricket schools. So the scary stat that I'll throw out is that your ninety percent of your protests come from thirty seven schools.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: You know what the risk you know what the risk associated with that is. Yeah. I mean, what happens if our school system just falls over? We won't have cricket players. So that is why when you talk about pro- programs in the townships, has to keep on improving, even if it's difficult sometimes, and we don't really see the fruits of the labor mm. always, but we have to keep plugging away because you have to make that pipeline going up bigger and bigger. Um, but, you know, there was a there was a bit of a controversy two three weeks ago. Your, this Western Province side that's playing here comes from Weinberg, Sachs, Ronabosch—not even bishops anymore—and three schools. Yeah, there's one or two others, but yeah. predominantly, eleven out of thirteen are from those three schools. Which is a whole nother debate because I'm thinking surely they are. And it's not a colour thing. Surely there are african speaking kids from the northern suburbs that go to cricket-playing schools. I mean, always it's just a bad year that way, but but the flip side to that, your black players that come from those schools, that do a lot of them do come through our systems. They were picked up at our hubs and games that they play against those schools and then they get offered bursaries. So it works to an extent, but the concern remains, My 90%... 37 schools ratio is, is, but it's, rugby is quite similar. Mm. Um, so, so we got to keep chipping away um, at, but it is very difficult because in our social contract with government, it's on government to provide facilities. So when, when we get hammered in press and the I'm saying we cricket South Africa, there's only two clubs in Soweto. 10 teams, at junior section, and we invest in both these. We've got cricket hubs at both that we invest in. There's no schools that play cricket in Soweto. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So we're basically nowhere. Yeah. So we have programs, our hubs. We, the hub is basically at Elka Stadium, at Soweto Cricket Club. There's Nets, it's a well-looked-out facility, and the kids from the area, we actively engage them, and the ones that play cricket come there. And there they get matches and proper coaching. So it is a good system, but in an ideal world, you would like to have 30 schools play cricket in Soweto competitively.
0: Yeah, not just. Because just if we get that
1: right, we'll yeah. be untouchable. We'll challenge India. we we'll challenge them anyway, but we'll challenge them properly when it comes to numbers, when it comes to performance. And all that worries about where's your next Timba Bavuma going to come from, it'll go away. It'll, that process will be more. But now what happens is. This kid, yeah, his name is Jeff Stoffer there playing for the Lions. He's from Soweto, always a very good cricket player from a young age, so he was in that system of ours. So he went to Jeppe, which is for him the right way, but it's not ideal. He's one. He was born in 2004. He's one out of that group, so he he got an opportunity to go to a proper cricket school uh, and all those things that you need coaching, meals, access to nets, access to gym, he got that, but I, it's always the back of my head, but must be another, there must be three or four other chapels there as well that we missed, that academically couldn't get in, or what about them? And, and that's, that's, our, that's our ongoing challenge.
0: I find it quite interesting that Niels is so positive about cricketers going off to play overseas. But at the same time, I think it is a testament to the youth cricket that we have in the country and that it is so strong and there are only so many opportunities locally for players. But one area where I think and I'm really excited about is women's cricket, because recently that's exploded. That's gone off the charts. We have cricketers in South Africa who have hundreds of thousands of followers online. And that's something a couple of years ago we wouldn't have even thought was possible. And the Women's World Cup is going to be in South Africa this year, particularly along uh, the Western Cape and a little bit in the Eastern Cape as well. And that's something that's really exciting because it's a new unexplored avenue for the game. And that's positive that's come out recently in South African cricket. So to end off the series with Niels Mumbo, we're going to talk all about women's cricket and how it's a positive coming out of cricket South Africa for the future. And I think what we can look to is a bit of a success story. I would think in the past couple of years, around the world, it seems that women's cricket has exploded. It's just gone absolutely insane in the past couple of years. And particularly um, in South Africa, on the international stage, we've done so well. I mean, is that something that's been bubbling under for a bit? Is that something that we have been succeeding at and maybe we just don't know about it? Um, Because I do feel there's been some sort of new interest in it and, and, and a big growth especially seeing as we can be hosting the, the World Cup um,
1: yeah. Yeah, I've, next, I've yeah. got to
0: be careful I'll answer this because
1: for, for, a, for a long time I'll be honest I'm cricket now. it's not good to watch it's not, you don't even play the same game I'm going back I mean, I've been working full time in cricket since 94 so it's, that's basically the starting point of my, my view of the world. And that technically they play it a certain way. They play like men. But I think it is a worldwide thing. Then, it, then the changes come. Changes came. If you look at Laura Wolfhard, the way she plays, her range of shots, compared to th- 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 your, gen- your woman all over the world 30 years ago, I would say it's probably one of my most exciting developments in cricket is 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 women and why they, how they play that people watch it now follow it it's exciting the South African context is an interesting one um so when you look at at the teams at the players that are here at this tournament, so about eighty percent of the boys here come from uh cricket schools and about 20% comes from our township called what we call our uh, hubs system in women's cricket it's the other way around they come from there most of them but it's also his- his- historical there's not that many schools that play um, as schools uh, women's cricketers and that so but be that as it may and again could be my summation. It could be an anecdotal thing. I, But I have a feeling our current group of players is a golden generation. And I do, might get in trouble, I'm going to say it anyway. I, I do feel they really need to win something big because they they are that good. You don't, not you know, even on the men's side, you don't always have a Marizan Cup, a Shibnam Ismail, uh, a Eibonga Kaka. Those are world, world-class players. And, and you're not always going to have them. All you know, at the same time. All at the same time. So yeah. that's when I'm actually more devastated than usual when we lose in the semifinals again, you know, when we, we get close. Um, so, but be that as it may, it, it is so exciting. I mean, I mean, I can watch Laura Wolf bat for days because she's probably the best bats batter in the country, men or women, I think, technically, if, if, if you look at her right now. Then again, back, maybe our... Uh, our men's talent pool is down a bit or the and that's also natural. It will it will turn again. We will have a side in the next four or five years that we'll have Stubbs and Brevis and hopefully Richard reaches that plays here for the Lions. We we will, we will, it, will it will turn. Nobody I just thought in the early 2019s they will be the best forever. No, it doesn't work like that. So, and people, and I also think our fans must just relax a bit sometimes. You know, we look, I suppose you must be, we must be grateful as South Africans that our fans are so passionate and into it and whatever, but also they need to look up the word context and balance. And then when they, (laughs) when they make comments on social media, just, you know, work it in there. But again, you know, people are passionate. They want us to win. They. They think the protest should win
0: every game, but they don't. So, and the we will turn again. So, looking up, I think to end off, if you could basically paint a picture for us the way forward, um, and I guess a brighter future for crickets as, as it stands, because I, I do think we're picking up after COVID. Uh, we are working on opportunities. Women's cricket is great. So, things are looking up how would you say the next couple of years is going to go for for cricket in South Africa? And are you excited for it? I believe cricket
1: in South Africa and worldwide is standing on 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 top of a revolution. I mean, they talk in cricket that the first turning point in cricket was in 1780. I'm not sure what the year is when they started bowling overhand because men and ladies you know, like they used to do it like bowls underarm, and many ladies played together, and ladies couldn't do it because they had the wear dresses, um, so they couldn't bowl underarm, and that's that's how that started, that was the first revolution, the second revolution was the Packer Series, it was the body line in 1930, where they changed laws and whatever, and people realized that you don't have to just bowl half volleys at Bradman, you can also bounce him, and that was a big Revolutionary change in cricket, and then the Packers obviously in '78, with when they went white ball and all of that, was that changed the game out of sight. And in 2010, they had the first T20 World Cup and then the IPL came. So we saw that that revolution is happening around us at the moment, but it's taking longer. And Cricket South Africa's challenge right now, that's why I brought it up like that, is to recognize where we are, where we are placed in the world game where T20 cricket is placed as opposed to Red Bull cricket and Test cricket um, and how how we should look differently and our strategies should change. If we do that, I see very exciting times ahead. But we need to actually sit and say, right, where do we fit in? Where does T20 cricket fit in? Where does, are we going to become a T20 country? How does it fit in? And difficult as it may be, Make a decision, work out your new strategies, and stick to it. Because the opportunity is it's, it's growing. It's definitely going to grow. I mean, we've got now, if SA20 flies, and I've, I've got no reason not to believe it won't. I foresee in the next 10 years we could have 10 to 12 sides playing. It could be one of the top leagues in the world. Nobody will rival IPL, but we'll rival all the others, possible. And if that happens, there is, because we've learned from the Indian model, how they did it, how their cricket took off by by integrating their young players into the IPL system. They've got a bit of a quota where two or three players must be under 21. They don't always play, but they sit in the dressing room. Imagine sitting next to Kohli for eight weeks. Then you go back to your club or your league or your school, whatever the case may be. If you don't improve, do something else. So I think if we get all of that right, Ten years from now, So that, ten years from now, South African cricket will be in a very good place. But there is a if.
0: We have to get it right. Awesome. Yeah. Niels, I think that's a great outlook for the way yeah. forward. Um, and also saying that there is gonna be work ahead. So thank you so much for joining us and thanks so much for chatting so candidly about all the different topics we've covered. No, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure and it's uh talking to you. I'm
1: uh I've, I saw this baby of school's, schools cricket, I, I, I knew about it before it was conceived, really. Remember in a trip right down to Midlands with Calvin Watt, and that was he's dreaming a few other guys, and it's, this has also changed the face. I mean, that you now can sit anywhere and you can, I mean, I haven't done it this year, but last, week, last year, you asked the watch. I was sitting in my car somewhere and I was checking on all the games.
0: I'm excited to see if the plans that Niels has for the future are going to come to pass because I really do think that something needs to happen to increase engagement and sustainability of school cricket so that we don't just have lots of boys and girls playing in grade eight and then falling away in the later years. If you have enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to follow on the Supersport Schools app. You can watch it there. You can also listen wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And contact us on social media. Uh, just search SuperSport Schools. We'd love to hear your thoughts on South African cricket and the pathway for our young cricketers. Thanks so much for joining me. See you next time. Bye bye. This has been the Super Sports Schools podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars, powered by Spurs Steak Ranchers. And now the podcast
1: from Joy of Media.